Welcome to a second chance. For the most positive and uplifting time on the radio, stay tuned and get in tune with your host, Gina Kane of Second Chance Radio. Welcome everybody to a second chance podcast. I'm your host, Gina, and today I have with us Melissa Marshall. I found Melissa on Twitter at Know You Cancer Foundation. She is educating others about colorectal cancer and ostomy bags. So welcome, Melissa. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, Gina. It's my pleasure. So, Melissa, our guests would love to get to know you. Could you start by telling us a little bit about yourself today? Of course I can. I am originally from North Miami Beach, Florida, and I am currently just turned 54 years old. I say that now and I say it proudly because, of course, as we used to age and before everything happened to me, I would always celebrate my birthday with a little bit of a chagrin. But now I absolutely do not. I, I revel in it, and I realize that it's it's uh, never promised to me, so I'm very happy. So um, to continue, um, I've been a singer uh, and entertainer, I would say, just about 30 years now and uh, predominantly have performed in Atlantic City and uh, basically at all of the casinos except for the Borgata and the Revel. And I've uh, done some opening acts um, with Don Rickles and worked with Tony Orlando and stuff like that. And I also am a songwriter, and um, I'm, a, I'm a singer that dances. So basically... Uh, I've been performing in Atlantic City for a very long time, and really what sparked the whole beginning of this journey was that I was experiencing some severe pain in my hip, and by going to my orthopedic surgeon, uh, we discovered that actually I had basically no cartilage left, and he informed me I was going to have to have a hip replacement, and at this time... I had literally just turned 50, and I wasn't too surprised that I would need the hip replacement because I do dance around a lot, and I kind of probably whittled it down, so um, we had planned that I was going to have the hip surgery in about uh, three and a half weeks' time from when I, I set it up. Now, during this whole entire time, I actually knew that I had been bleeding rectally for probably close to a year. Mm. And the only time I ever spoke of it was to my husband. And my husband said, it's a fissure. It's a hemorrhoid. And I said, but it, do yeah. it doesn't hurt. And so, you know, I did all of the stuff that you do to yourself. I had just turned 50. Um, my hip was hurting me. Uh, I just I just chalked everything up to, you know, the, something metabolism, metabolism was going wrong. Um, yeah. And never, ever, ever did my thoughts go to the fact that it could be cancer. And, yeah. But for whatever reason, one day, and I think I only had about a, two weeks left, a light bulb went off and said, you know, maybe you should really – go to the doctor and just have this checked before you have this surgery. Oh, okay. So I, I called up my gynecologist, and he actually recommended me to go see uh, a colorectal surgeon um, straight mm -hmm. away, and I did. 
And once I got into the office, you know, you sit and you tell the doctor what's been going on. And she said, okay, hop up on the examining table. I'm going to do a, a test on you. And so mm. she did. And she had me hop on off and sit down. And she sat down right in front of me. And actually her chair was on rollers. And she pulled it right in front of me. And she leaned into me. And she said, I think you're going to have to postpone your hip surgery. And I went, what are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I can't barely walk anymore. I have been waiting almost a year to get this done. Mm-hmm. That it's a matter of life and death. So you have a very large mass, very, very, very low down, leaning against your rectum. Wow. And um, you really, um, we're going to have to do this test, that test. So within 10 minutes, I literally had a prescription to go for four different tests within the next five days. One, of course, being a colonoscopy. The other one was a and Then there were a couple of blood blood tests. But I left her office, and I I got onto the parkway to drive home, and I called my husband, and I said, I think she thinks I have cancer. And he's like, what are you talking about, Melissa? You're exaggerating. You know, you're... I said, no, seriously. I said, she just ordered all of the tests that you order after you've already been identified with it. And yeah. so sure enough, I went through everything. And the colonoscopy, which normally takes 20 minutes mm-hmm. for a regular, <clears throat> excuse me, for a regular colonoscopy, I was under for two hours and 45 minutes, and she had to try to cut away the tumor that was a golf ball size. If waited probably a couple of more months and not said anything, or if I had actually gotten that surgery from my hip and most likely would have ignored everything for a while, spoke about my surgery, I don't know if I would be here talking to you today. That's That's how close I came. So, um, you know, without even going any further, just the main emphasis on anybody that's listening to this, if you're sitting there and you know you have not gotten your colonoscopy and it's time, like, just pick up the phone right now. It really is painless. The only thing that's a little bit difficult is just doing the prep and then just remember you're going to lose a couple of pounds. So, <laughs> but really get in there because you know the the opposite is is possibly changing your life forever, which is yeah. which is where I'm at. And mm-hmm. basically, she came out of there, and uh, she looked at my friend and she said, you know, she's going to have to go uh, right away to uh, a colorectal surgeon that she recommended at um, Memorial Sloan Kettering in New York City. And, um, you know, that was basically it. I mean, of course, everything had to be sent away for testing. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, within within four days, uh, she gave me the phone call to confirm that it indeed, you know, was cancerous. And, and then I went up to the other surgeon and, um, you know, was, was informed that I was going to have to have a bag, an ostomy bag, and... Uh, the likelihood that I would never regain uh, the ability to control my sphincter, um, mm-hmm. you know, is is really what we were discussing. 
and the options and, you know, what you do and, and, uh, of 2013 is when I had my surgery. Mm-hmm. It was a, a six and a half uh, to seven hour long surgery. And, wow. Yeah. That's a long time. Oh, yes. It's, a, it's, it's quite, you know, they really, they have to cut through everything in, in your stomach. And, and oddly enough, and dancing, sometimes that's almost harder to do because your, really? your muscles are tighter. And uh, especially the coming back of it is, is really difficult because, or more painful, I guess I should say, than somebody that maybe isn't as, as toned because you're really feeling everything that they they cut and um you know once they did cut my stomach I really did not know if I'd ever be able to sing again and that was the scariest prospect to me I think about everything Mm -hmm. um so I was in the hospital for 13 days which of course always they say you're only supposed to be there for a week but pretty much I I haven't heard of anyone that has had this kind of surgery and gotten out in less than 10 days to, you know, to two weeks, if not, if not way longer. Take us there with just before you had the surgery, did you have any mental prepping to do or were you in shock or was it just like flowing? Oh boy. I think, I think it was a combination of all of those three. Mm -hmm. I was in definitely clear shock. I kind of did settle in to the fact that I was going to have an ostomy bag um, probably quicker than a lot of the people in my support groups that that I have met that really were very frightened of it. The best recommendation that I got was to name my stoma. Mm. So that gave it credentials. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it became it, it, it became um you know, like my second part of me, I mean, what they do is they literally, I have an ileostomy. There's a colostomy mm-hmm. or an ileostomy. I have an ileostomy, and that is where they pull the small intestine, a part of your small intestine, out, and then mm-hmm. they attach it, and there is no nerve endings, no feeling there. And so basically what's happening is it's going directly straight from my stomach and straight out. So okay. the production time and the the end of the cause time is very short. And I have no feeling and I have no control mm-hmm. over it at all. So uh, the one thing that I did have to learn is, um, first of all, with an ileostomy, there are many things that you cannot eat. Okay. Because you cannot um, your your body function cannot break down the fibers. Mm. So I can't have broccoli. I can't have corn. I can't have popcorn. I can't have any nuts, no seeds. Wow. Um, nothing that has a, a, a skin or a rind or green pepper or a um, asparagus or anything like that. No fresh fruit. Um, it's it's very difficult. It really doesn't break down. So you have to be very careful. And as time goes on, it's more of a matter that your body is adapting. And it's not like you're on a diet. It's just like those are just no-no foods unless you want to end up in the hospital. Yeah. And you, just don't, you just don't do it. And then your body doesn't 
really remember what it was like to have that. I mean, I literally have not had broccoli in almost three years now. I can imagine not having broccoli. Tell us what you can eat, Melissa. I can eat, uh, ironically, I can have iceberg lettuce. That is one of the only green um, kind of leafy or or that type of that I that I can have. I can have meat. I can have fish. I can have stuff like, you know, uh, shrimp, crab meat, uh, bacon, eggs, anything like that. But I really can't break down anything that's too fibrous. And okay. actually even drinking a smoothie sometimes, I had tried going going that route to emulsify everything. And it just kind of is too much for my stomach to handle and it and it just it, it's just a little bit uh too strong. So I have to just be very very careful and it's it's a very delicate balance of what it what it is that I can have and what I can't have. Yeah, it's a lot of things I realize I take for granted. I never even would have thought of that before. Yeah, and now with a, a colostomy, you can eat whatever you want because okay. it's going through your colon and your colon is what what basically combines the water within your system and and then breaks down the acids of the waste and everything else and then, you know, composites it to basically the shape of your colon and then eventually pushes it out. So mm. that's, that's the difference. So was there any strategies or techniques that you used before your surgery or what kept your mindset strong through this? I don't really know if my mindset was very strong because it was such a quick turnaround. I, mm-hmm. I just had a I just had to prepare really fast, like I was called to battle, and mm-hmm. I just put on my armor and I just said, "Okay, let's let's do this. Let's go in." Like there's not another choice. I'm not going to not have the surgery. Well, I lost my father at I lost my father right, I believe, right before my 51st uh, birthday. And um, that was very, very, very difficult. I was in a very big depression Mm -hmm. from him. And I think that's kind of one of the reasons why I didn't react to my bleeding. I just thought that I was just physically so depleted Mm -hmm. that it was just something that my body was doing, you know, like I said before, I really did never, ever, ever would have thought that it was cancer. And uh, even though the first uh, surgeon that took out the the mass, uh, even because of the size of it, she still was hoping that it was only a stage one. And really, they can't tell what it's going to be until they go in there and they remove everything around, and they create what they call the margins. And um, mm-hmm. and but they go in and they take lymph nodes and to see whether or not you know it's gotten into the lymph nodes. And uh, that was when I found out that I was stage three, and that I would then have to have chemotherapy and radiation. And uh, that was to me at first that was really really terrifying. Um, mm-hmm. The radiation was um, I actually vacillated almost until literally the last day of having my choice of whether or not I was going to go through with radiation or not. 
And um, that was that was a really, really hard choice. I knew that I was going to really be bringing in such a strong poison to yeah. go directly to the source. So I was, what, what they were telling me is that I was more likely to never get it back in that, you know, exact same place. And so I would be taking those chances away. And that mm -hmm. was the purpose more for the radiation. And I finally opted to go ahead and do the radiation. Um, mm -hmm. And I it, I, it actually, I did it for 35 days and the chemo ran concurrently uh, the whole entire time. They lessened the dose down. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I literally had a, almost like a backpack that was attached to me through my port and it was running the whole entire time um, and would have to be the, the bag uh, that had the chemo medicines in it. Uh, the nurse would come over and, you know, change it out every three days and, you know, just, it would just keep. Wow. The exciting part, and I know you're probably going, there's an exciting part. Um, the, the really cool thing and the way that I began the, my real journey as to what I really feel now has given me a purpose in life that I certainly in my past before mm. was literally the day that my husband drove me home from the hospital, which was November 26th, 2013. As we were traveling home, for whatever reason, the vision of my uh, cancer butterfly necklace appeared to me. And I, I've got to go on this picture that I just saw. I'm going to call the jeweler, and this is what I'd like to have for Christmas. December 25th, I had my necklace. During that time, though, about three or four days after I had gotten home from the hospital, the song came to me, which, you know, that's how things happen uh, with me. All of a sudden, I, I get kind of like this, uh, just an urging to go sit down and just, and just concentrate and just write. And basically, I would say less than a half an hour, I had the song, No, You Can't, Sir. And the way wow. that I wrote it, it sounds as if I'm talking about a guy that did me wrong, but it's actually cancer. Oh, I can't wait to hear that. Yeah. So I knew that there was no way at this time that I did not have any type of strength to sing. There was, you know, I couldn't even feel my stomach if everything was still numb. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that I was just going to have to, for lack of better words, sit on the song for a while and hope that, you know, one day I would be able to record that song. So as time went on and I did begin healing, um, everywhere I was going, everywhere I was going, I was getting compliments on my necklace. Oh my God, where did you get this? That's absolutely gorgeous. And I kept saying I designed it, da, 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 da. And then I finally was strong enough to get into the studio and record. Hey. <laughs> so I was finally strong enough 
to get into the studio. And I called up my keyboard player and, you know, we worked out um, uh, everything and the melody and we were ready to, to go in. And I recorded it. Uh, I recorded it this time last year. And on July 18th, uh, 2015, I debuted it at Resorts in Atlantic City. And ever since then, we've just been going on, and it, and it really is a cancer fight song. And if you think about it, uh, cancer doesn't really have a specific fight song. Um, this song that I wrote is really to uh, inspire um, and, and uh, empower those who are fighting cancer, that are in the throes of being in chemo, who are feeling so weak and, and saying to themselves, I can't go on another day. This is, the, this is the song that you need to listen to that will charge your battery back up and give you that power to say, no, you can't, sir. You're not getting me. And, oh, I love it. Yeah, and so that is, that's where we're coming from. And so the whole evolution of the foundation is just the, just the culmination of, of both of these two separate, two separate ideas ending up coming together. And, and when I finally said, you know, I've got to replicate this necklace, and we found the people, you know, that I would be able to do the design, uh, obviously, in an affordable way. My, mine is uh, diamonds and sapphires, uh, <laughs> color for colorectal, but I was able to duplicate it in a much more affordable fashion with the Swarovski crystals and, and the uh, sterling silver overlay of, of the necklace piece. And then what I decided to do was start out and... I don't want to say the top five cancers, but I mean the five really cancers that are recognizable as far as probably the highest percentage of the ones people initially get. Okay. And so, of course, we included breast cancer. So I have the pink butterfly cancer uh, ribbon. I mm. have the teal, which is the gynecological cancer ribbon. And, of course, that encompasses everything that's going along gynecologically, uh, endometrial, ovarian, uh, cervical, um, mm -hmm. you name it. So that, that encompasses that. I have the um, opal, which is my interpretation for lung, head, and neck, and throat. Um, and then I also have the blue, which is colorectal. And uh, then I also have the lavender, and the lavender is all uh, over cancer awareness, mm -hmm. um, which uh, June, uh, you know, uh, still June right now, it still is Cancer Awareness Month. So basically, I, I have now, uh, you know, come out with these necklaces, and I, I have shirts as well, and, uh, and, the, and the CD, and what I did was, I'm wearing the necklace, which I always wear it. I have it on uh, at all times. And when I looked down at my CD one day, because I was thinking, how am I going to package this this necklace? All of a sudden, I took the necklace, uh, the the new rep, you know replicated one, and mm -hmm. I I put it over 
me onto the CD, actually placed it as if it's a 3D image. Oh, okay. And so it looks like the necklace is popping off of the page, which it basically is. And so that was my uh, decision as to how to package it, where I killed two birds with one stone, should I say, and <laughs> I included the necklace. So now when you open up the CD package, the necklace is sitting there really basically what looks like right on top of my neck, but you pull it out and it's for you. And on the one side of the flap has all of the information about my foundation, where all the money goes to, all of the contacts, um, you know, different different uh, information for support in your area, and um, and it, it just it all came together. Uh, so beautiful. And so that is how the uh, Know You Cancer Foundation got started. It's always nice when there's a gift that comes out of the dark times that you had to go through. And and like I said before, I never would have ever thought in my life that this was the path that I was going down was to was to be out there to lift other people up. I used to lift them up of course through singing and and but that was not as personal. Mm-hmm. Now it's personal, you know. It's uh, it's like that that Jaws movie uh, when they used to come back and they thought that the the shark was actually coming for them and they said, oh, it's personal. <laughs> well, it is personal now, and yeah. and now I I I get it. I I I understand the struggle, and and if there's any way that I'm able to enlighten them and lift their spirits. And also educate them uh, about ostomies and about how people live with an ostomy bag and, you know, what our um, uh, struggles are with that. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what I'm here for. And that's my, that's my new path in life. And I think it is awesome. It's totally like I have a second chance, a whole redefinition of where I'm going and what everything is about, and it's so not about me. Uh, so, so beautiful, Melissa. Can I share your song at the end of this recording? Oh, yes, I would absolutely love for you to. Oh, I love that. So it's- when we say goodbye, I'll play the song, and then everyone has it. If they would like to have it at a time, they need some strength. And it's available oh. on my website, knowyoucancerfoundation.org. And that's also where you can find all of the butterfly necklaces and the shirts and the downloads, and the downloads are 99 cents a song, and 100% of, like I said, the proceeds go straight to It's In The Bag Ostomy Awareness publication. That is fantastic. Is there anything that you would like to leave our audience with before we say goodbye? I would love everyone just to remember that it's so important to get a colonoscopy. It this kind of cancer can be detected early. A cancer can grow for seven years in your colon and go undetected. And you could never know, and it might not ever cause you any pain. You might be having a little uncomfortable with your stomach and wonder why, but you need to always follow up and get the colonoscopies if you have 
a history in your family, you need to get that earlier at even age 40. Mm -hmm. And you have to make sure that you keep a, keep a regular schedule with doing that because it is very, very easy to stop it and nip it in the bud before it becomes a situation that it came like me because I ignored all of the signs and I just really didn't get it and I really didn't think it could happen to me, but it, but it did. So it can happen to anybody. And when they have that phrase that it used to be about Kevin Bacon, that there was like six degrees of separation. Well, with cancer, it's only one degree. There is now everybody knows somebody if it's not themselves. They can look to the left and to the right, and one of the three of them will have cancer. Yeah, that's pretty scary statistics. It's very scary. So the best thing is to be proactive and to make sure that you're doing everything possible and that you're living in the moment and your body is all you got. So you've mm. got to take care of it. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for sharing your second chance story with us and for being so courageous, and I'm so glad that you're here today to share it. Well, thank you, Gina, for seeking me out. And so, see, Twitter does work, people. Yes, Twitter is fabulous. <laughs> thank you, Gina. I really appreciate spending some time with you.
Tuning into Second Chance Radio for the most positive and uplifting time on the radio. So tune in again with your host Gina Kane of Second Chance Radio. Second Chance Radio. Second Chance Radio. Uh.